You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Billion Dollar Ballers on America's Web Radio today. I uh, got another great show in the pipeline for you guys. A lot of crazy stuff happened in, uh, last weekend. I don't know if all you guys are watching college football, but it was certainly uh, a huge, momentous day for college football. Uh, we talked about last Friday, the first female kicker was going to come out, and uh, Sarah Fuller was her name, kicking for Vanderbilt. And she, uh, she didn't get a chance to kick a field goal, but she did do one kickoff and uh, became the first woman uh, to ever play in a Power 5 college football game. So certainly a huge moment for college sports. Uh, and then we've had some other crazy news this week. We had LeBron James and Anthony Davis signing contracts for the Lakers. Um, we've had an update on the Super Bowl. Uh, I'll get into that later in the show. Update on the date of the Super Bowl and some talk about advertising in the Super Bowl. Um, and, and then, you know, we've strangely enough, and again, nothing we talk about too frequently on this show, but something that's extremely relevant. We've talked about it in the past. An update on the Olympics. Uh, the Tokyo Olympics, that is, and it's a big one. Um, so be sure to stick around for the later segments. But we'll start today off with Sarah Fuller, uh, the female kicker for Vanderbilt. Um, and we're talking about the NIL. Uh, we talked about it before on the show. Um, name, image, and likeness. All those laws that the states have been passing to allow college athletes to profit, to make money, um, to take advantage of the fact that they're celebrities, essentially. Um, anyone anyone who's as famous as college athletes are, especially football and basketball players, uh, you know they're making a fortune on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, all these social media platforms in ways that, uh, I mean, you simply can't um, if you're a college athlete. The NCAA just won't let you do it. Um, and, and as that relates to Sarah Fuller, um, she would have made more than history this weekend um, when she was the first woman to play in a Power 5 college football game. Um, if name, image, and likeness were allowed in the NCAA, she'd be significantly richer. Uh, the earning potential power of the Vanderbilt soccer goalie, um, who's now the uh, Vanderbilt starting kicker, exploded in the last week. Um, so much so that one industry expert actually told CBS Sports that Fuller's value went from $65 per post on social media to $7,500. I did some math, and if you look at that over the course of a year, um, her social media value increased about 53 times, and she could be earning about $160,000 per year just by posting sponsored Instagram posts. After playing one game as a D1 female college kicker. Now, the problem is she can't collect any of this money at the moment. Uh, NCAA athletes are not currently allowed to profit from name, image, or likeness. But uh, Sarah Fuller's overnight celebrity shows what awaits like athletes such as herself in the future. Uh, social media is expected to be a profit center for athletes when name, image, and likeness, likeness legislation is expected to be passed by the NCAA in January 2021. Uh, it would allow athletes to capitalize 
on their fame for the first time ever, um, and it would go into effect in August. August of 2021. Um, now, obviously, as the first woman to fill in the blank uh, and be on this huge stage, this is an opportunity for many other women to potentially break into the men's sports. And what I'm about to say is not to slight women's athletes. It's not to say that women's sports aren't as entertaining or, or those women aren't as hardworking or talented as the men. Um, but the fact is, the men are going to make significantly more on their name, image, and likeness than the women. It has absolutely nothing to do with the fact that they're men. I don't want to hear all this unequal pay nonsense when it comes to how name, image, and likeness is being compensated for these college athletes. It's a very simple calculus, so don't be, don't be shocked when you see that the men are making so much more. Women don't have football teams. And as I've talked about many times on this show, college football and college basketball are the main drivers of revenue for college athletic programs. They bring in a significant amount of money. So you can be willing to bet that college football players and college basketball players will be making the most off of their name, image, and likeness. Case in point, most uh, even casual fans of college football or even college athletics can tell me who Trevor Lawrence is. Name me one female college athlete. Name me five female college athletes. It's extremely difficult. Uh, maybe you have a couple of women's swimmers or a handful of basketball players. But the, the sticking power of their name, image, and likeness isn't there in the same way that it is for the top-tier college basketball and college football players. So I only say that um, to prepare you to see that it's going to be different compensation, one. And two, to point out that now that Sarah Fuller has made the jump uh, to be on a D1 college football program, who is to say that uh, more females couldn't attempt to make this jump as well? I mean, we've seen in the past several professional women's soccer players um, state that they're interested in making a push to the NFL. Now, no one's ever actually done it. But we've seen that that's a dream that a lot of these women have. And, I mean, if there was ever a position to do it at, kicker is the position. I mean, I've seen plenty of these women's soccer players score some crazy goals in the World Cup and think to myself, hey, what's to stop them from kicking a 30- or 40-yard field goal? Um, admittedly, it wasn't that impressive that Sarah Fuller was warming up from the five-yard line, but nonetheless, I think it could be done. Um, and now there's a monetary incentive for it to happen with the name, image, and likeness. I mean, if Sarah Fuller is uh, potentially going to be able to make $160,000 a year on Instagram posts, you'd have to imagine that a lot of other women would want to capitalize on that opportunity. So it's going to be extremely interesting. Um, in terms of why her value shot up that quickly, uh, Fuller had approximately 1,000 Instagram followers before she joined Vanderbilt Football. That total jumped to 140,000 followers in one week. One week. That is an absurd jump. 
absolutely absurd. And when you even look at the, the difference between what she'd be able to make on social media to what CBS Sports reported that Oklahoma quarterback Spencer Rattler would have been able to make this last season, that was $700,000 off of social media in a year. This is a gigantic business that hasn't even been tapped yet. I mean, we're talking about million-dollar social media stars that are currently not getting a dime. Um, So, again, huge story to track as this NCAA uh, proposed rule changes could potentially go into effect. Again, if in February the NCAA approves these state laws as NCAA policy, college athletes will gain the abilities to make money from their name, image, and likeness beginning on August 1st, 2021. Uh, that's under a series of specific proposals for Division One rule changes. Um, however, um, we'll close up this segment by mentioning that the proposed rule changes, uh, as stated currently, would give schools discretion to prevent athletes from having deals that are deemed to conflict with existing school sponsorship arrangements. Um, so those restrictions are going to put the NCAA um, at odds with the provisions of laws that have been passed by um, several states to this point. It's going to allow, as they always do, the NCAA to get in the middle of college athletes' freedoms and college athletes' abilities to make money. Um, it essentially makes the proposal functionally useless. I don't think that the proposal will accomplish nearly as much as I've said. Um, and there is, <laughs> there is a reason that I talked up the massive value that these proposals could have brought. Um, and that is to point out all the good that will still be missing even after these national, national policies go into effect. That's such arbitrary language. I mean... Any proposal that is at odds or deemed to conflict with existing school sponsorship arrangements, there's just so many ways that I see that the NCAA is is preparing to stop college athletes from capitalizing on opportunities like the one that Sarah Fuller just had, a life-changing opportunity for an athlete that very likely will never play a professional men's sport. Perhaps she'll play professional women's soccer. I hope she does. But even that's not going to make her as much money as Instagram could. So a word of caution to all the fans out there looking forward to this. It might not be as great as you think. Um, And a word of advice to the NCAA. Please figure it out and get these players some money. I've never advocated for just giving cash to your players or paying them a salary. They're not professionals. They're college athletes. But if a TikTok famous 19-year-old can go out and make $5 million a year for posting videos of him doing the Macarena, uh, there's no reason that a college athlete can't post a picture with a Gatorade and get paid for advertising money. That's where I stand on it. Um, and I hope that gives you a clearer picture of the Sarah Fuller story and where those name, image, and likeness proposals stand and what they serve to potentially, hopefully accomplish in the near future. Uh, With that being said, we have way more to talk about in today's shows. 
segments and show. We're going to talk about, in the next segment, the Super Bowl. Um, when's it happening as currently constructed with the schedule of the league? There's obviously been a lot of COVID turmoil. Uh, we saw what happened with the Ravens, um, what's going on with the Cowboys, Steelers. I mean, there's just so many teams that, uh, as I predicted on this show very early, have continued COVID-19 positive testing and, and some major struggles. Um, with that being said, advertisers are still buying Super Bowl spots, so we're going to come back and talk the Super Bowl in just a minute after a short break. Hey guys, it's Minister Frankie with Shine His Light Ministries. It's getting cold outside and winter is coming. It's time to shine a little light on our friends on the street. We are collecting blankets and coats for the homeless all winter long. Please donate by going to our website at shinehislightministry.com or text 770-655-8055. Hope you all have a happy Thanksgiving and a very Merry Christmas. I'm your host, Dr. Hal. Every week we come to you with the information that you need so that you will be prepared to advocate for your family and for yourselves when it comes to your health care. God forbid we get Ossoff and Warnock in the Senate, and the left gets what they want, which is a majority in Congress and the White House. First of all, health care will be more expensive. There initially will be a public option. The government will run it. They will be initially very inexpensive, and it will drive commercial payers out of the health care market. Then the choices will disappear. The only insurer out there will be the federal government, and that's when we get a single payer. We need uh, to hear from you. And uh, just like Dr. Howe said, we can't afford the two Democrats. We have to keep the Senate. So with that being said, I want to remind everybody to please go to our website. We are changing things and doing things differently, and we'd appreciate it if you'd become a patron as well. We This um, isn't a nonprofit, but uh, we act like it sometimes. But at any rate, uh, we've got great shows like Jack's show, Billion Dollar Baller, but we're also starting something up new, and we definitely need your support for this. Paul Longer, who is a chaplain, and also he was, he started the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame, is uh, working with us on this. And we're starting something that nobody else has done across the country. And it's going to be called the J. Roy Ritchie Prayer Line for Veterans. And it's uh, named after J. Roy because he's my close friend and has is in critical condition in the hospital uh, due to Agent Orange. And we have another whole line of folks that are going to be coming to us. Our government, unfortunately, in many cases, has let us down. And uh, we've got a lot of folks that will be coming and, and suffering from the burn pits in the Middle East and also from drinking the Middle East water out of their plastic bottles. Uh, we're now having more and more cases of folks getting intestinal problems 
because of water they drink in the Middle East for a year or so. So, with that being said, we're going to be starting a veterans prayer line, and we'd appreciate anything that you can do to help us. Um, if you know a veteran or you are a veteran and need prayer, we will be glad to pass your name on. And if you're a citizen listening, we're not a nonprofit, uh, although my bottom line shows that, but uh, we're not a 501. Uh, but we could certainly use some donations and some help from you folks as we continue to bring new shows and new products to the forefront that nobody's ever done before. And uh, we hope that you'll take advantage of that. And with that being said, just like this show, it's a totally different show. And people are enjoying it. We're hearing from folks. And we'd like to hear from you that you've become a patron of America's Web Radio. Just go to our homepage and you can sign up. Thank you very much. And now, back to Jack. Welcome back to Billion Dollar Ballers, everybody. Um, certainly, prayers going out to J. Roy Ritchie, a uh, man dear to my heart and really an outstanding veteran, great man, hoping him uh, all the prayers that we can send out and um, We'd really appreciate if everyone would get involved with the hotline. and uh, meet a lot to him and meet a lot to a lot of veterans um, all around the country. So um, thanks, David, for bringing that up. And let's, uh, let's move on with today's show, and let's talk a little bit about the Super Bowl. Um, let's talk a little about Super Bowl advertising now. Um, I'm sure everyone loves the Super Bowl ads, at least for... My family and I, it's almost as, uh, almost as entertaining as the game sometimes, uh, especially when, when you get those crazy blowouts. But um, the Super Bowl may be changing uh, slightly this year. There may be a lot less um, of the, the funny, joking, uh, with crazy musicians and actors, the type of typical Super Bowl advertisements that you usually get. That may be slightly different this year. This year, advertisers are expected to tackle serious issues in Super Bowl ad spots. Um, and, and in the past, again, most commercials took a lighthearted approach. Cute kids, funny dogs, talking babies, um, pint-sized Darth Vader's using the Force, cute Dalmatians, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but this February, many different um, analysts, and many different uh, marketing executives have been saying that they expect um, the advertisements this year to have a more serious message, tackling topics like racial justice, white privilege, and the deadly COVID-19 pandemic. Um, So essentially, it sounds like we're going to get a lot of George Floyd um, in the commercials this year. And obviously the NFL has been looking to embrace social justice initiatives. Um, They do the Black Lives Matter on the helmets and in the end zones. Um, But apparently Black Lives Matter is going to dominate Super Bowl commercials. And I personally have no idea why they think this will be a good idea. I understand the sentiment. Um, I understand that they want to, if they believe in a cause, they want to back the cause. Um, and it, it makes a lot of sense in that respect. But um, 
I've talked about before the extreme value that a Super Bowl commercial has. And I guess if you're trying to make a societal impact, maybe it makes sense for you to be putting in these political messages. But that's been one of the bigger problems for the NFL this year. Um, I personally know a lot of people who have stopped watching the league um, because of their political stances that they're taking. And I don't know that Super Bowl commercials are necessarily going to add to that phenomenon. I don't know if that'll cause people to stop supporting brands or watching the NFL. But one thing that I can say is it's very apparent um, that the commercials are an additional draw to the Super Bowl beyond what's going on on the field. You have good commercials, it, it, uh, it encourages people to stay, encourages people not to go take that bathroom break. It encourages them to have another buffalo chip and, and watch the commercials as well. It brings a lot of money in for the league, for the team, and for the brand. I mean, I just question whether this is going to turn people off uh, at all. Um, and I certainly question whether it's going to result in the same increase in revenue for the brand. Now, maybe they know that. Maybe they're, they're expecting to take a small hit in the normal amount of revenue they would raise, um, and they're just letting that be a trade-off for the social causes. But I thought it was important to bring up on the show um, because it's, it's definitely a change. Now, I did pull up some data, um, which I like to, again, be kind of an unbiased party here, and there is some data um, from the Wall Street Journal suggesting that 35% of consumers aged 19 to 26 um, say they've stopped buying from brands that haven't spoken out against racism. Now, I think we all would speak out against racism, um, but again, my question just is, do we need Black Lives Matter ads at the Super Bowl? We'll see. We'll see how that affects everything. I'm going to, I mean, I'm genuinely interested. I don't know what's going to happen. We're going to look at quarterly reports and see how the brands it did monetarily, financially, and see if this is a good financial play for them. It seems like a PR play from um, where I stand, but we'll see what ends up happening. Um, furthermore, more information about Super Bowl ad inventory. CBS has sold about 75 to 80% of its Super Bowl ad inventory, uh, according to ad buyers and people familiar with negotiations. Um, the network has about eight or ten spots left to sell. Some major companies that have bought ads, Anheuser-Busch, InBev, Mars Wrigley, and WeatherTech, um, they've all had a huge marketing drive. They'll continue to run Super Bowl ads. All slots in the first quarter, all the A positions, um, and for those unfamiliar, the A positions are the first ads in a break, and Z position, last ads in a break. All of those have sold. Um, and, and this relatively well-selling ad inventory suggests that marketers are not especially concerned uh, with the chance of the Super Bowl not occurring this year. We had talked about that prior. Uh, it's scheduled for February 7th. Um, there have been upticks of COVID-19 all across the country. We've talked about postponements and relocations of other sporting events, um, most namely the, the most... <laughs> recent one, um, which we'll, I think we'll cover in our lightning round, was the Baltimore Ravens uh, and Pittsburgh Steelers, whose game was pushed back multiple times. It, in my mind, I, I think the NFL ended up doing itself a huge disservice. They had a game at 3.30 on a Wednesday. 
the majority of Americans are working at 3.30 on a Wednesday. I haven't checked the ratings yet. But I can assume that they didn't end up making a ton of money off that game. Um, and, and just what the NFL has been trying to do lately, handling COVID. I, if I were a financial advisor for the league, I would sit them down. I don't even know who you would sit down. But I would sit down the commissioner and maybe a couple key members from the Players Association and just explain to them how much money they're losing by how they're handling this. Because I just watched a game that had Trace McSorley as a quarterback playing against an undefeated team. that was supposed to be a potential MVP, Lamar Jackson, versus an undefeated team. And they put it at 3.30 on a Wednesday. So I know I just went on a little tangent there, but it's really upsetting to see how the league's handling this COVID situation. And I'm hoping that they don't screw up the Super Bowl. That being said, marketers are predicting that they will not. Uh, the game is supposed to be happening on February 7th, and it already does have a built-in February 28th makeup date planned. Um... By all accounts, it seems the Super Bowl will happen on time. The league has been reluctant um, to discuss adding extra weeks or delaying the Super Bowl. Um, but it is slightly interesting to note that CBS hasn't sold out its Super Bowl ad inventory yet. Um, they are lagging behind the pace that Fox did last year. But uh, important to note, they're currently ahead of their pace from 2019. Um, which is when CBS last aired the game. CBS and Fox do every other year with the Super Bowl. Um, now, I guess you could attribute the slow sellout um, to marketers holding off on making creative commitments until a clearer picture of when the game will be played arrives. I mean, I think it'll happen on the 7th. It certainly seems like it will, and it's great that they have a backup date. But I can see how it would be very difficult for marketers to commit to these multi-million dollars. I mean, you're talking $10, $15 million ad slots. It's hard to do a hard commit to that when you're not exactly sure what's going to happen or the quality of that game. I just offer this to you as um, a very unlikely potential scenario, but a potential scenario nonetheless. What if we have two teams make uh, the Super Bowl? Let's just... Let's just say the Kansas City Chiefs are playing in the Super Bowl. It doesn't even matter who they're playing. Let's say the Kansas City Chiefs are playing against the, uh, the Green Bay Packers. And Patrick Mahomes gets COVID three days before the game. The league has shown no ability to handle that in the past few weeks. In fact, they've showed uh, a lot of evidence that they don't know how to handle that. What are they going to do in that scenario? Because there's only two dates you can play this game. The Super Bowl is not something that you can move around willy-nilly. You've got TV contracts to consider. Um, you've got brand deals to consider. All of the setup, all of the, all of the employees that you've hired for the event, all these small things that play a very specific role in a strict timeline. There are two days, February 7th or February 28th. And it's a real inconvenience and a real cost to move it to the 28th. So this thing's not budging multiple times, and it, it really probably is very difficult to even move it one time. Break. So back to our Patrick Mahomes talk. If Patrick Mahomes gets COVID, that's going to cause all sorts of problems. So I'll just leave that 
and that can be the end of our segment right there. I'll just leave you with that, that COVID could cause major problems for the Super Bowl and Super Bowl advertising. But with that being said, we've got to go to another short break before coming back to talk about the Olympics. So here we are with the break. And as mentioned, so many new things are going on in America's web radio, and one of them is your estate. And this is with uh, attorney Stanley Turner, who talks about wills and trusts and why you need a will and and are a trust, whatever it might be. Doesn't give legal advice, but just talks about your need. And uh, certainly this year has been such a strange year and the demand on uh, we never had any idea about a pandemic and what it would do and the deaths that have occurred and so you don't want to die without a will or letting your thoughts and your wishes be known when you're no longer with us so with that being said want to remind us too that remind everybody too that we're starting the J. Roy Ritchie Veteran Prayer Line, and that will be for veterans in need. All you have to do is send in a name and say what's going on with them. We won't use your name. We won't use your email address for anything other than getting the information. And again, we would appreciate it if you'd go to our website and become a patron. It doesn't matter whether it's $5 a month or five hundred dollars a month uh it would help us and help us keep bringing you fantastic shows like a veteran's story and uh also david's pick which features a veteran's story as well and we're working very closely with the georgia military veterans hall of fame and if you're not familiar with it get familiar with it okay we'll be back with jack in just a couple of moments Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, join me, Roger B., every Tuesday at 1400 hours right here on America's Web Radio for the Locked and Loaded Show. We will talk about guns, weapons, ammo, gun accessories, prepping, and so much more. So be sure to join us every Tuesday at 1400 or 2 p.m. for Locked and Loaded on America's Web Radio. If you live to serve and want to make an even bigger difference, consider joining the U.S. Army. With training in fields like medical care, linguistics, and engineering, an Army career can amplify your efforts with humanitarian opportunities all over the world. Plus, you'll receive competitive pay and incredible benefits, so you'll be taken care of, too. Learn more at GoArmy.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to America's Web Radio. Welcome back to Billion Dollar Ballers. And welcome back to a discussion that I don't think we've talked about on this show for at least a couple months now. And that's really because nothing's been happening with it until recently, and that is the Tokyo Olympics. Now, if you'll remember, the Tokyo Olympics were supposed to happen in the summer of 2020. And for the first time ever, the Olympics were postponed. Uh, that's right, the first time ever. We've only ever had two Olympics canceled, and they were both because of wars, world wars. So for an Olympics to be moved for the first time is truly a monumental shift, um, a crazy event. It's something that I certainly didn't expect to happen ever in my lifetime. Um, and I, I'm not going to go too deep into history about the Olympics, but since the conception of the Olympics hundreds of years ago, the Olympics have been a sign of unity. 
Uh, the idea is for the whole world, no matter at peace or at war, no matter no matter the occasion um, or the tribulations or trials that the world may be going through or political differences, what have you, the Olympics allow an opportunity for the world to come together and unite um, in the name of sport, in the name of international competition. So I'm very thankful that the Olympics were not canceled due to coronavirus. Um, but understandably, uh, they were delayed. Now, this was not without cost. COVID-19, it was recently reported, adds $2.5 billion to the Tokyo Olympics bill. Uh, obviously, a absurd figure for Japan to shoulder. Um, although the IOC, International Olympic Committee, and organizers in Japan say that they're confident the Games can go ahead in July after a one-year postponement. Uh, leaders around the world have been supporting the determination of the Japanese to hold the Olympics as, quote, proof that humanity has rallied together and defeated the virus, end quote. Um, costs directly related to delay are expected to be around a total of $1.5 billion, uh, around half of which will be covered by event sponsors and insurance payouts triggered by the delay. Uh, the other costs, including a billion dollars to fund coronavirus countermeasures, will be covered by the city of Tokyo and Japan's national government. Um, I think it's pretty safe to say that with a budget, with an Olympics that's gone so far over budget, I doubt that the Japanese expect to make a profit on this. Um, at this point, that seems like a lost cause, but the event must go on nonetheless. Um, and those figures don't even include any cost to pay for coronavirus vaccines. The IOC obviously hopes vaccines will be available for athletes and officials, although that has yet to be confirmed at this point. Uh, it has been suggested that the International Olympic Committee will help pay for the vaccine. Um, they said they have set aside $650 million for costs related to the postponement of the Games, but again, it is unclear if this will include funding the vaccines, although they would like to fund the vaccines. Um, this, this Olympic Games is already the most expensive ever. According to a study by Oxford University in England, um, it was the most expensive Olympic Games before COVID even happened. Warm-up events to check the readiness of venues and staff uh, having been penciled in for the spring have only continued to grow the initial budget. The official budget before the Games was $12.6 billion, uh, but an estimation from Japan's Board of Audit last year highlighted other related costs that had pushed the total spending over $20 billion. $20 billion. Um, So there is now a huge burden on the Japanese taxpayer, uh, which could further sour sentiment towards the Olympics, although I personally definitely would like to watch the Olympics. But there is some evidence that fans may be wavering in their support as almost 20% of tickets sold in Japan have been returned for a refund. It's hard for... Uh, especially Americans in the United States, to feel the pain of these Japanese citizens. But I certainly understand, um, and I think that we could come to understand, remember, 2028, uh, we will be hosting the Summer Olympics in Los Angeles. Not to mention, 
we're hosting the Winter Olympics in Salt Lake City next year. Um, so it could be a problem that we have to deal with very soon. I mean, the, it sounds like the sounds like the pandemic will be gone. It sounds like the vaccine's gonna hopefully take care of it. But again, remember this time last year on this show we were talking about this and. You just never know what's going to happen. So I think it's important um, to realize that we could possibly be facing financial burden ourselves um, come 2020, 2028. Uh, so far in the future, you never know when a pandemic will strike. Seems very unlikely, but this is what the, the damage that a, a great event, don't get me wrong, a great event like the Olympics can do when things go wrong. Um, very, very possible. Um, that there's financial fallout, uh, financial burden for the citizens of the host country. Now, shifting a little bit, what are the chances that you can go to the Olympics? Well, it seems that there's an increased chance of fans at the Olympics as of now. Um, IOC President Thomas Bach has been adamant that spectators will be allowed uh, to attend in some capacity and recently said his organization will help encourage the vaccine globally. Japan will be making the decision by this upcoming spring of whether it will admit overseas fans. That would certainly be a benefit to the country um, in recouping some of their lost investment on this Olympics. Now, fans from countries with relatively few virus cases could be exempted from Japan's 14-day quarantine travel requirement. Unfortunately, that certainly does not include the United States. Um, we do have a high case count, and other countries are not very fond of that. Um, but the athletes will be heavily tested. Uh, organizers have said that participants will have to return a negative COVID-19 test within the 72-hour prior to their arrival, so a 72-hour window there. And they'll be tested every 96 to 120 hours during the event. So they're confident that they at least won't have any issues like we've been seeing in the NFL, a little bit in the UFC lately, of the athletes contracting COVID. And that's really why, at this point, they have yet to announce any fans. If you don't have the athletes, the event can't go on. And if you bring in fans who could bring uh, the COVID to the insulated bubble that is the Olympics, then you could run into some issues there. So I certainly understand that. Um, with that being said, really, really hopeful um, that one, the games can move forward, and two, uh, that potentially, um, again, I'm not positive of what's going to happen, but there is always potential that we could get some fans uh, into that Tokyo Olympics, which will be great for all parties involved. Um, but I think you can be pretty safe in assuming that they will go forward. I mean, Japan's Olympic minister, Seiki Hashimoto, says that Tokyo Olympics will go forward in 2020, quote, at any cost. Um, so I would expect to see the Olympics this summer, maybe see some less athletes, maybe not have fans there. And it could certainly be controversial, but... Expect the Olympics to go forward. Expect the Olympics to uh, to be on television this summer. With that being said, let's do a quick uh, preview of our next segment. Um, and I really want to see your guys' thoughts on this next segment. So the, 
We've been doing this lightning round for a couple weeks now. I think it allows an opportunity to talk about a lot of different stories, a lot of stories that maybe don't have enough content to take up a whole 15-minute segment, um, but some stories that I think are very interesting, one, and two, important to understanding the business landscape that is professional and collegiate athletics. Um, Because as we know, these sports are so clearly a major business, not only in the United States, but internationally as well. Um, So I'd like to take this this time to tell you that we do have our social medias running, um, the Instagram and the Twitter that is Billion Dollar Ballers, at Billion Dollar Ballers. Reach out. Feel free to direct message or tweet at us or anything that you'd like. Um, And just tell us what you think about anything, really. Um, Or Are we not covering your favorite sports enough? Are are we covering some sports too much? Is there some content that you're interested in? Any questions that you have? Or do you dislike certain segments or do you love certain segments? Um, Again, we've been doing this lightning round a couple weeks. Is that something that you like to see? Or would you prefer that I cover a single topic for a longer period of time um, in that final segment. Everything's on the table. Um, we're not one of those shows that's rooted in, um, in staying the same. Everyone's got to evolve in business and sports, in the business of sports, and in the business of talking about the business of sports. It's just what we do on this show. So, again, looking forward to hearing your feedback quick preview of some things we're going to talk about in the next, seg- next segment. We talked about SPACs, special acquisition companies before, um, and now private equity firms are looking to become owners um, in a certain Bundesliga, that's the German professional soccer league, and a certain popular Bundesliga team, so that'll be interesting to talk about. Cable company refunds. Cable companies may be issuing refunds from leagues and regional sports networks after games have been canceled and postponed. Um, so if you're a sports fan and you pay for one of those sports packages, um, you might be in luck because you may be getting some money back. Fubo TV, talked about Fubo TV before, one of those streaming services that's coming into popularity. Talk a little bit about that. Uh, we'll talk about Mike Tyson. Uh, I talked at length about that fight last week, but if you didn't get a chance to watch, great things happened on that card. Um, I mean, there was just so much good stuff happening last weekend. I'll save us a little extra time for the last segment because it's going to be kind of a long one, but a very good one. Make sure to stick around. A lot of good stuff coming right after a short break. I'm your host, Dr. Hal. Every week we come to you with the information that you need so that you will be prepared to advocate for your family and for yourselves when it comes to your health care. God forbid we get... Ossoff and Warnock in the Senate. And the left gets what they want, which is a majority in Congress and the White House. First of all, health care will be more expensive. There initially will be a public option. The government will run it. They will be initially very inexpensive, and it will drive commercial payers out of the health care market. Then the choices will disappear. The only insurer out there will be the federal government and that's when we get a single payer and don't and don't forget that all of our shows are archived and if you missed part of jack's show today or missed all of it well you can always go back 
to our archives and listen to it. You know, this show will be posted uh, probably either later today or up by tomorrow, and you can listen to it then. So we'll be back with Jack very shortly. Hello, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Have you ever wondered what doctors talk about amongst themselves? If you do, join us on the Doctor's Lounge and hear the doctor's conversations amongst themselves. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. All right, everybody. Welcome back to Billion Dollar Ballers. Welcome back to our final segment. And welcome back to the lightning round of where we jump around, talk about a bunch of topics. I already lined them up. I'm not going to waste any time. Let's get into it. Let's do it. Private equity firms lining up for a piece of Bundesliga media rights. What's going on here? Well, Germany's top soccer league is offering a minority stake in its new digital media company, valued at over a billion dollars, for a minimum $240 million investment. And some major private equity firms seem to be extremely interested. Now, why are they doing this? The Bundesliga faced revenue losses of upwards of $900 million due to the pandemic. It's forced to cancel matches and, and even play without fans. Wow, what a concept. Several financial firms approached Deutsche Fußball League, uh, the body that runs Germany's top two divisions, to provide emergency funding, prompting it to create new investment opportunities. Uh, they're going to sell international rights contracts, data services, and other commercial propositions alongside rolling out international online subscription services. Um, so we've talked about special acquisition companies. Now we're talking about private equity firms, similar concept here. Uh, a large group of money under singular management being invested in a professional sports league or a team. This is a major trend, and another major trend is leagues and teams getting creative in how they're recouping their losses from coronavirus. Very interesting to see uh, a league as a whole, uh, a major sports league, especially in the country of Germany and in Europe as a whole, um, finding a unique way to capitalize that clearly has drawn interest if major private equity firms are lining up to invest close to a billion dollars. So. Congrats to that league, and congrats to the private equity firms on getting a stake in what is one of the biggest leagues in the world, one of the biggest sports leagues in the world. Moving forward, cable companies. They're issuing a billion dollars in refunds from leagues and regional sports networks. AT&T, Verizon, Charter Communications, they're paying out as much as $1.1 billion in refunds, and that's directly to the subscribers. Um, the company still charged sports programming fees while the COVID-19 outbreak put a stop to thousands of events. Um, and finally, rebates are coming to subscribers after months of cable providers collecting insurance settlements and refunds from leagues and sports networks. Verizon, uh, got to give them good credit. The first of its competitors to announce the rebate. Charter will credit $218 million back to subscribers at an estimated $14 each. Um, just a heads up, don't expect a $200 check in the mail. You're only getting credited back what you pay for your sports content. Um, and in some cases, not even a full rebate there. Um, so it is always nice to get some money back. 
Um, this is something I expressed doubt about prior, uh, several months back. I was not positive that, that these historically greedy cable companies would be willing to give money back to, to you, the fan, the consumer, especially while still providing some sports content. But happy to see that they'll be doing that, uh, especially as cord cutting continues. Um, by the end of 2020, as many as 6.6 million households are likely to cut the cord that is cable. Um, and only 77.6 million subscribers will keep paying for cable, a 7.5% drop year over year, the highest on record. So it, uh, I guess that, that really shows you why they're doing this. I mean, cable companies have to try to keep people somehow, and um, it's always nice to get a rebate. So thought that was something we should touch on today. Uh, the Knight Commission endorses the FBS split from NCAA. This is a big story. This is something I actually considered giving its own full segment. Um, I ended up putting it here, but I do want to spend a decent amount of time on it. Um, and the Knights Commission is its a commission of college athletics leaders, and they recommended Thursday that the best way to fix the NCAA's broken governance model, as they call it, is to remove the teams of the football bowl subdivision, the FBS, from the association, forcing the top level of college football to govern itself as an entirely separate identity. Very, very interesting proposal. Um, what we're talking about here is essentially taking, at least what I'm interpreting this as, is taking the Power Five, te- Power Five Bowl teams, putting them in their own subdivision of college football, and allowing the lesser teams to compete. Now, let's break this down a little bit. On one hand, what this is going to allow is it's going to allow better competition um, amongst these newly created divisions. Uh, You're going to have the teams at the top all playing against each other, and some of the teams in the middle that your BYUs, for example, um, an undefeated team that is currently getting no shine um, in the college football playoff rankings just due to the fact that they're not playing a lot of Power 5 teams. Um... It's going to allow teams like that to play against similar competition and get recognition for how elite they actually are. Um, so in that sense, it could be very good. Um, in another sense, I kind of get the feeling that this could result in everything except for that top upper echelon to feel like Division Two, Three, and so on. Um, we already have FBS and FCS. Uh, both are Division One, but only one is actually looked at um, as actually being the first division. So while it would create better competition amongst the teams, it could also cause a problem of uh, lack of viewership for many of the middling or lower teams, even compared to what they have now, or lack of respect, or both. Um, now, that being said, the Knights Commission does not have any authority to enact change in college sports, but its leaders do hope that their recommendation will serve as an essential first step in what they see as a needed overhaul in how sports are governed. Um, before I jump to our next topic, I just do want to say I agree with the general concept that the way college sports are governed is wrong. Um, I think it's very clear the NCAA has many faults, not the least of which the name, image, and likeness issues we talked about earlier. Um, So kudos to the Knights Commission on making such a a bold proposal. I don't think it'll go into effect, but it's certainly something interesting to think about. Moving on, let's talk about Mike Tyson. 
Mike Tyson, Roy Jones Jr. pulled in 1.2 million pay-per-view buys over the past week. Again, that was on television, satellite, online, and other platforms such as Triller. Uh, that makes the fight the most lucrative in boxing this year and the second most lucrative combat sports event behind UFC 251. Uh, that was Kamara Usman, Jorge Masvidal. Huge fight. Uh, huge fight. It actually outdid Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder's heavyweight title rematch, um, which pulled in between 800,000 and 850,000 pay-per-view buys, and Conor McGregor's comeback fight against Donald Cerrone in January, which had a million sales. So what we're looking at here is two really old, old fighters. Um, pretty pretty historically great fighters, but old nonetheless. Um, if you watched the fight, I, it was okay. Um, it was fine. Uh, ended in a draw, which I think probably fair, considering what I saw. But the event itself was extremely well done. I loved the look of the white ropes in the ring. Um, there's a whole lot to love um, about the event. I thought the music acts were great. I know a lot of people didn't like them, but I liked the music acts. And uh, something we talked about prior, Jake Paul and former NBA player Nate Robinson, they fought. And it, it stole, the, stole the whole event. Fight of the night, knockout of the night, all the above. That's what you paid for, basically. Uh, Jake Paul violently knocked out the 36-year-old Nate Robinson um, and really announced that he's here to stay as a non-traditional boxer in the sport of boxing. Uh, Jake Paul's a YouTuber. But the kid can box. I mean, he flattened Nate Robinson. And we've talked about it. I've talked about it so many times. I'm just going to say it again. People like different. People like unique. And people like exciting. And this was exciting. I mean, I wasn't kidding when I said I think it outdid the Tyson-Roy Jones Jr. fight. It was the fight of the night. And it, it proves that this is a viable platform, a viable plan, a, a viable way for all sports, but specifically boxing, to move forward. You can have celebrity events like this that raise as much money as legitimate boxing events. I mean, there were a handful of, of uh, current title-contending boxers on this fight. But the reason people bought the pay-per-view was to see a spectacle, and that's going to continue. It doesn't matter if they're fighting for the heavyweight title. It doesn't matter if they get the WBC or WBA or WAB or any of these belts. People want entertainment, and this was entertaining. So congrats to Triller, uh, to Mike Tyson, Legends Entertainment. Um, awesome event they put on. I hope you guys watched. If you didn't, go try to find some replays of it. Especially that Jake Paul knockout, it was something. Um, one last thing to talk about in the lightning round, then we'll close out today's show. Fubo TV talked about it prior, a streaming service. They just bought Balto Sports. Um, it's a betting platform. Um, again, they're going all in on the sports gambling, and I think that that's something that's going to become bigger and bigger with streaming. I uh, I'm currently in Michigan right now. Um, DraftKings and FanDuel are just becoming legal here. They're starting to become legal all across the country. If you're not studied up on sports betting, I'm not saying that I'm encouraging you to gamble or you should gamble. Um, or I'm not even providing an opinion on that. All I'm saying is the business of sports is huge and the business of gambling is huge. So it's a very safe bet that the business of sports gambling 
is about to explode uh, when it becomes legal everywhere. So as streaming services like Fubo go all in on sports gambling, and I'm sure other ones such as Twitch will as well, maybe get educated. I think it's a great investment opportunity, and it's, I think betting is going to really drive the future of sports. And it'll be interesting to see what that means, how it's able to direct the course of our sports as we know them. So that being said, that'll conclude the lightning round today. Um, great show today. We're going to have a ton to talk about next week as things continue to move forward, getting closer to the Super Bowl, uh, closer to the next Conor McGregor fight, which I'll talk about at uh, the next show. Maybe we'll talk some Olympics. Uh, and we've got the basketball season starting now in uh, about two weeks, so that's great as well. Uh, I'd like to close today's show by saying, again, um, we have the J. Roy Ritchie Veterans Hotline. Um, everyone, please um, be encouraged to take part in that. It's something great that's coming to America's Web Radio. And, of course, the Billion Dollar Ballers and me, myself, were uh, extremely invested in that. Um, and prayers out to J. Roy Ritchie, a great veteran again. Um, hoping uh, grace of God upon him and... Um, this has been Billion Dollar Ballers. I'm Jack Christides, and uh, we'll see you next week. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.